Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Ask Elsie podcast. My name is Harrison, Worship Arts Director. Hey, this is Mike Moses, lead pastor of Lake Forest Church Huntersville. And if you notice Harrison's voice being hoarse this morning, it's because he was yelling at the TV <laughs> until very late last night as his Miami Heat lost the championship game in the NBA Finals. You would think it would be that, but it was actually that crazy song I sang on Sunday. Where I, Cars win, get. <laughs> I was like, I could feel it. That was a ragged, like, Vocal. Yeah. yeah, it was a little punk rock. It was in there. punkish. So it was I, punk rock. I, I have major respect Is as a it? side note for people that travel and tour <laughs> and sing and play in bands. Those dudes are awesome. <laughs> Anyways, that's funny. Hey, today uh, we're going to do some brief rundown of the denomination that we're a part of. I just want to give you a little bit of an overview uh, because next week I, I and uh, most of our pastors of our family of churches will be in Denver, Colorado for the annual General Assembly of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. So I'm going to give you a bit of a snapshot, some fun facts about the denomination that our church is spiritually submitted to. But first, Harrison, what's up? Well, two things. Uh, first off, Mike just wanted to remind everybody that uh, if you were not here this last Sunday, which is very possible, vacation season is here, and as Mike told our staff yesterday, that is a good thing. People should recreate. Yes, that's the word, right? I mean, think about the meaning of that word, and it it, huh. it it's it's the Sabbath principle built into all of creation: the every seven days to rest and worship. Uh, and in uh, with God's people, Israel, their principles of taking some uh, on top of that every seven days rest. Every now and then, you take extended rest, and 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 so there's a there's a creational God um, given principle to vacation to recreation we're recreated we are uh, so yes so take your vacations folks we're, we're not holding it against you that's right when you're not here if you're on vacation now we are as well. if you're at home on a sunday morning and you're just like dude i don't feel like getting out of my fuzzy slippers i will hold that against you okay go ahead what were you gonna say i was gonna say <laughs> while you are either vacationing or here we want to make sure to invite you throughout the summer uh, to stay connected here with us at Lake mm-hmm. Forest, we are uh, even even as various members of our staff team are vacationing. What's happening here on Sunday morning absolutely never stops. We have such a as we talked about in the podcast, we have a great rotation of teachers. We have mm-hmm. uh, the best rotation of worship leaders we have ever had here uh, for days when when I I'm when that. I'm out at the beach and I feel like it is in such. Uh, fantastic hands while I'm gone. So number one, we just encourage you to stay connected in worship and, and to not wander too far off. We, we're putting an extra emphasis over the summer about making sure that our online experience is just yeah. as awesome as it was during the what days we, we needed it. What we have now, post-pandemic, because mm-hmm. it, was, uh, it became a necessity to produce uh, as quality as possible online worship. Now what we have the capability for all of us is that, okay, yeah, there's Sundays we're not here, we're, we're not in town, or we have something unavoidable. But now we can all keep up. What I expect is happening at this point in time is there is a higher percentage of our people that any given Sunday they are not here in person because of this, that, or the other. But I'm also uh, expecting, and what I think we're seeing in the American church, is for people who are attached to a church, that's who I'm talking to, and they like their church, like it gives them life, they are actually catching a higher percentage of the worship 
services and sermons throughout the whole year because of quality online worship that's mm-hmm. available either live at the time, wherever they are in their RV uh, in this world, or they catch up uh, later that week. And so that, that part makes me happy. Yeah, it And does. we're going through the book of James this summer. We just started, uh, Pastor Jeff taught the, the first half of chapter one. I'm going to come in with uh, the second half of chapter one and maybe a little bit of chapter two this Sunday, and we'll just walk through it sequentially this summer. Fantastic. Two other quick things. Number one, if you were here last spring for our latest Hope in a House of Blues. I was. You were. Yeah, I saw you there. I saw mm-hmm. you there. Yeah. Um, you would have noticed one of uh, the wonderful artists that came and participated in that was uh, a woman by the name of Cindy Morgan, who is just a decorated Nashville-based singer, songwriter, author now at this point in her life, Mm -hmm. uh, mentor to artists. Uh, Let me tell you, this explains Cindy in a nutshell. Uh, I had a phone call with her setting up Hope in a House of Blues last time. And I was like, yes, Cindy, it's great to meet you. You know, what have you been up to lately? And she goes, oh, uh, just still kind of getting up and around. Last night I was at the uh, helping a new artist get settled at the Grand Old Opry. I'm like, that's cool. I yeah. I, uh, I went to the grocery store. <laughs> so that's where I was. Cindy is awesome. She's she got a great. top five Christian artist <laughs> in, would you say it was the early 2000s when mm-hmm. she broke upon the scene and was massively popular and yeah she does whatever the spirit leads her to do creatively exactly she is going to be back uh yeah here. we had her for hope in the house of That's blues right. that was a special day and it was so good it was oh really man special. it was a song she wrote for her father yeah it, I, it, it was our favorite oh one goodness. i think wow she just the way uh the way she connected she did exactly what we want to do in hope in the house of blues which is connect the the lament to the music and give us a place to kind of voice our grief. And she, she nailed that. Mm-hmm. She's, she's doing coming back. She's coming back. She's doing something a little bit different this time, but she is coming back in July in the middle right. of July. We're going to announce an exact date here uh, this week as we, as we firm that up All with right. Cindy, but she will be here. So we just mm-hmm. uh, to prove point number one, we're not taking any breaks this summer <laughs> as a church. We want right, to, we want right. to keep things rolling and, uh, and, and keep things moving on. Okay, last thing, Mike, and then and then we'll hand it off. The way we start <clears throat> every staff meeting that we have here with our Huntersville staff every couple weeks, uh, God stories. And I had a mm-hmm. I had a cool one just to share to paint a picture of the kind of place that I've seen uh, Lake Forest to be. Uh, a handful of years ago, uh, there was a guy who's an older gentleman had a had a, a medical issue. I'm, I believe it was a heart attack. He told me the story later on, and in that heart attack, he told me I had a, I had a vision where I literally saw Jesus and Mm -hmm. he basically told me your, your, your work is not done yet. And, uh, he said there were a number of minutes where he was medically deceased, came back with a reinvigorated, uh, passion to, uh, get connected and, uh, and have a relationship with God. So he, he ended up here at Lake Forest, kind of walked in as a uh, older gentleman, but high energy, wiry, fun, full out guy. I know and who you're talking about. Okay. He got uh, he got connected here. He got serving here. He got to know uh, a bunch of the people here yeah. as a guy who was kind of just just walked in on his own yeah. and decided okay. I want to try to make a community here. Um, ended up just being a great friend to a bunch of us, and he 
uh, about a week ago on his birthday after attending the men's breakfast here at Lake Forest. Oh. Um, went and was hanging out with some friends and he passed away on his birthday. We're having a funeral for him here this weekend. His name is Jeff Ireland. And it just, it just made me happy reflecting back on Jeff's time here at Lake Forest after it made me sad for missing my friend. Um, but this was just able to be for a guy, uh, who just walked in by himself later in life. Tender-hearted. Jeff would would stop me sometimes. He served especially regularly to support the, um, uh, what do we call it, the table, which Mm -hmm. was our Sunday evening service pre-pandemic. And Jeff was a regular servant there, and he would often stop and just tell me a a touch of God in his life or with his daughter or his grandchild, and he would get a tear in his eye. He was so tender-hearted. I will miss him. I don't know that I spoke with him at the men's breakfast that morning. Um, I hadn't put that together. That it was the same yeah. day he passed. It just, it just reflecting back makes me happy about the kind of place that Lake Forest is. Cause it meant uh, so much to Jeff and it's just cool seeing this be a place where people from, from uh, kids to teenagers, young families, uh, people with kids out of the house, people like Jeff who are in their later stages in life. Uh, there's just community here for people. So it was just, it was cool seeing and reflecting mm. on him and, and we'll miss him, but we're glad for the, the role that Lake Forest and the people here were able to play in his life. So that's the kind of church that we want to be. Let me use that to transition us, Mike, as we're thinking about the kind of church that we want to be. Uh, you wanted to share a little bit with us uh, some behind the scenes about the denomination that we're a part of. The denomination we're a part of is called the Evangelical Presbyterian Church or EPC. Uh, And um, there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes with that, that we don't talk about a lot on Sunday mornings because it's it's kind of behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. The pastors, our ordination uh, lies with the denomination. And so we are very involved. Our elders are more involved. They're asked to be at the regional gatherings from time to time of our denomination, and they uphold uh, parts of our our commitments um, as part of the denomination. And then we ask very little of the congregation. The, The denomination really exists to support congregational leaders to lead healthy, effective churches. It's not, it doesn't exist to have, um, people walk around, uh, with a tattoo of the denomination on their arm. It just wants people loving Jesus. And so, um, I've explained a number of times we're part of a denomination first and foremost, because the Bible, um, uh, demonstrates a principle of, of submission to authority in your life that any person, uh, an unhealthy Christian is one who is out from under the authority of any particular church. It's an oxymoron to say, I'm a Christian who's not a part of a church. That That's not a New Testament Christian. That's an American Christian uh, uh, practicing in, in a uh, almost a heretical way. Um, I understand some of the reasons people do that, but <clears throat> uh, however, they are not biblical. Um, we are to be in submission to spiritual authority over us. That makes a healthy child in submission to their parents, etc. And so, um, the, we, the, the New Testament shows very clearly that no one pastor or church is an authority unto itself. The New Testament documents uh, are a witness, without even giving specifics, 
are witness to the fact that all of the first churches, Christians, and church leaders were in mutual submission to one another for right belief and right behavior. There are examples in the New Testament of accountability uh, over uh, a church leader or a church that was getting off track from the apostolic teaching about Jesus' belief. And there are examples of a church or a leader being held accountable when they're getting off kilter of right practices in leadership, particularly if they're abusing their position in the church. And so the number one reason why I, coming out of seminary after engaging the Scriptures deeply for three years in ways I never had before, we came to the conviction, okay, Lord, you're, you're going to call me to serve the church because the church is the apple of your eye and the locus of your mission. Uh, parachurch and missions organizations are wonderful, but the church is is that primary locus of God's mission and the apple of his eye, the bride, the bride of Christ is a, a New Testament name for the church. So I'm going to serve in your church, and dang it, Lord, it's going to have to be part of a denomination because connectionalism, not necessarily any denomination is biblical, right, but connectionalism uh, of church leaders and the church for mutual accountability, that is biblical. It's throughout the New Testament. And so, if you know, if you ever... So, um, uh, the Lord led me to the EPC for a number of reasons. Um, one of the things that first caught my eye was the motto or the culture of the EPC, as, as demonstrated by our motto, uh, which is this, in essentials unity in non-essentials liberty, and in all things charity. That is a motto sometimes ascribed back to St. Augustine in the 400s AD. I think it became commonly used during the Reformation in the 1500s. But in essentials of the faith, unity. In non-essentials of faith, culture, politics, etc., liberty. And in all things, charity. Um <laughs> that's who we try to be as a church. And the EPC does a great job of that seeding our, the culture of the denomination, that we are rock solid in unity um, around the essentials of our faith uh, as a denomination, and we give different churches liberty in the non-essentials. So two examples of that, uh, one that's in the headlines if you read church news these days, um, we give churches liberty, each elder board at each church, liberty in their conscience of interpretation of the Scripture as to whether women are ordained as elders and pastors or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, that often uh, plays out that the, the two positions biblically are egalitarianism, the equality of men and women in not only as humans in the image of God and his husband and wife, but also in church leadership, egalitarianism, uh, which is what Lake Forest is. That's that's our uh, conscience regarding Scripture. Or um, complementarianism, which is that the male-female are uh, uh, complementary, but that um, women are not permitted to lead as an elder or pastor in the church. And so in our denomination, there's there's liberty, there's recognition that that is a non-essential of the faith and that Christians who hold to the authority of the Bible as God's Word uh, have some freedom to interpret that differently, and we don't judge that those who interpret it differently are non-faithful Christians. We, we come to that, 
our position through the Bible, uh, not through culture, uh, I think it's very clear. Um, it, it, uh, just starting with Deborah as the judge, the religious, political, and military leader of Israel in the book of Judges, there's not an exception clause uh, of a verse when she's introduced as the leader that says, oh, God, God's eternal character is that men only lead, but he made an exception this one time because in this one minute portion of history of God's people, all the men were trifling, uh, and so he made an exception. That's not in there. <laughs> I could go on about many other passages in Scripture, and we've done that before, but we are egalitarian. You were just telling me that uh, Rick Warren, well-known, mm-hmm. uh, I so appreciate Rick Warren. I, I, I still I keep copies of his book, The Purpose Driven Life, um, in my office, and when someone comes and they're new in the faith, and they're like, how do I start growing? I offer them to enter a 40-day journey through that book, the 40 small chapters, to get established in their faith, and I'll meet with them every week or so. Which I believe, side note, I I believe that book... It's one of the handful of best-selling books of all time. It is first the, of all. Best-selling the best-selling English language book apart from the Bible. Yep. And just to tell you something about a little bit of the character of Rick Warren, uh, the proceeds of that would be enough, obviously, to have the best-selling book of all time to make somebody uh, fantastically wealthy enough to retire away to Italy mm-hmm. in a chateau, uh, you know, uh, France in a chateau. And, I'd be and there right now. Never s- have to talk to a person again. Uh, mm-hmm. Rick is given away about everything back to the church, back to his church and back to mission and continues to stay engaged and involved in the church in America because he has a passion for that. And yeah, yeah Saddleback it, Community Church mm-hmm. in Orange County, California, which is, yeah, he planted in, in the early 80s. Um, he graduated with his doctorate of ministry from Fuller Seminary the same day I graduated with oh. my uh, Masters of Divinity. That's yeah. awesome. He well, gave, he he gave the address. He's been going. He's he's been going toe to toe with some some folks in uh, a major denomination, the that, Southern Baptist the Southern Baptist Convention. Okay, <laughs> Southern Baptist Convention that are having this exact battle of trying to trying to draw the line of where, like you said, Mike, where the essential line is and where the liberty or freedom line is. And uh, Rick Warren is 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 stepping up big time. In the dom- in the denomination to say you know that he believes women are called and equipped and gifted to uh, teach and to lead equally so he, for ministry yes yeah, and yeah. so they they were disbarred disinvited from the Southern Baptist Convention he appealed that and they are not going to hear his appeal he was disinvited to their convention uh, this month which brings us back to I'll be next week in Denver Colorado at our uh, annual convention of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, um, where uh, we're we've re. I was on a committee in the early two thousands nationally for the denomination just because they needed a young guy, and that was me at the time. And I'm embarrassed to say at the time I was wearing pointy toed leather boots. Um, yeah. Uh, Trying to be a punk rock pastor, <laughs> I guess. I don't know what I was thinking, Harrison. You need to, you need to bring those but back. Anyway, I was on this long-range committee of like, <clears throat> is denominationalism even relevant for the 21st century? Um, because many young leaders were saying not. We knew that the, that the principle of um, connectionalism in churches was biblical to the New Testament, but how could how could we transcend? conventional denominationalism and uh, for the 21st century, and we settled around the concept of 
what would it mean to be a missional denomination? And a couple of the the definitions that we came to, I was not leading this committee, but I was on it. It was uh, just some neat people around the country. This is when I began became introduced to national leadership in our denomination. But we came to the fact that a missional denomination here, this was, uh, man, some stuff should be written about this actually, Harrison. A missional denomination exists to serve and equip the leaders of its member churches um, to carry out the great commission of Jesus on mission in their community. In other words, making clear and definitional. The denomination does not exist as an institution for member churches to serve it or to serve its purpose. Its purpose is to equip uh, effective leaders in churches at their at their local uh, in in their localities. And, and one of the principles I, I, I won't uh, one of the main principles there. Uh, I'm sorry. So how how would you behave if that was now? your goal. One of the main changes in behaviors was for our regional meetings, which are called presbytery, and our our regional presbytery is from Charlotte to Ash to the mountains, to the North Carolina Tennessee border. Uh, we're in that presbytery, uh, and we anchor that at the Lake Forest Family Churches does as the largest church in that regional gathering. So in our regional gathering, which is three times a year, in our annual gathering once a year, um, a way to play out that uh, a missional denomination is to have at least 80% of the time spent on equipping, fellowship, worship, uh, and teaching, not quote-unquote business. Uh, and so we've um, streamlined the business of the denomination, which used to be, and in most denominations is, the majority of meetings you know, stuff. Um, we've streamlined that into 10 to 15% of the time of the larger meetings, and now it's it's about, so our meeting next week, uh, all the main plenary sessions will be about each of our four gospel imperatives for the denomination. Those four are church planting, which I care a little tiny bit about, uh, and actually Lake Forest will be featured in a video of our U-City church plant, uh, and Aaron Gibson will be interviewed in front of the whole denomination about the Lake Forest method of church planting. Nice. So that's one of the four vision initiatives is church planting. Another one is church health. There's a lot of churches <coughs> who are plateaued or declining, and we have processes uh, and and coaches for revitalization of churches. Uh, a third area of our gospel priorities as a denomination is is being a global movement. We don't necessarily want to extend the name of, of the EPC globally, but we want to partner with other like-minded denominations globally uh, uh, so that we are, are um, reflecting more of Revelation 7-9, every tribe, tongue, and nation in our <laughs> fellowship. And then fourthly, our fourth gospel mm. priority is effective biblical leadership. And that's what we're mostly doing at the regional presbytery meetings three times a year. And at the annual meeting is leadership training for effective biblical leadership. So again, the four gospel priorities of our denomination are church planting, church health, global movement, and effective biblical leadership. Um, uh, one other thing about the EPC is that uh, our identity... Here, here's the mission statement. The EPC, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, 
exists to carry out the great commission of Jesus as a denomination of, and now here's another list of four, Presbyterian, Reformed, Evangelical, and Missional Congregations. That, if you're like, what's the special sauce of the EPC? Well, it's, it's the motto, but the motto is not really our core identity. That's our culture in essentials unity and non-essentials liberty and all things charity. Our identity are these four identity words, Presbyterian, Reformed, Evangelical, and Missional Churches. Presbyterian is our form of church government. Elder-led is the translation of that word. And we just think that's the biblical picture of leadership in the church, elder-led. Reformed is the second word of the identity of the EPC and its churches. And Reformed is our theology. And that is out of the Reformation— uh, we uh, we believe the gospel of grace is at the foundation of all of our theology, and reform theology, as distinct from other theologies, um, emphasizes the uh, authority and the sovereignty of God um, above all things. That yes, uh, man has free will, and the Bible emphasizes that, and we're responsible for our choices. But in the end, God will have what God will have. That's my. my Sentence and a half, uh, definition of Reformed theology. <laughs> so we're Presbyterian, Reformed, we're Evangelical. That word does not mean what the culture and the media uses it to mean most commonly today. It means um, gospel-focused or evangelism-focused. So it means that we are about introducing people to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, and you know that about Lake Forest Church. <laughs> and then the fourth identity word of our denomination is missional. That, uh, that we would be—Jesus said, as the Father sends me, so I send you. He said that to the collective of the disciples, plural. We are sent ones. We're not here to be the church. We are the apple of God's eye as the church, collectively, more than an individual Christian. We, together as the church, are God's beloved— Uh, his bride, uh, and that marriage will be consummated at the end of all time when Jesus returns and makes all things new into the new heavens and the new earth. Um, But right now we're his beloved, betrothed, you could say. Um, But that does not mean we just sit here and soak up God's love. I mean, we do. I want that. Harrison, every worship service. Don't you and I just want... We just want people to soak in the love of the Father through salvation given to us through uh, the sacrifice of the Son, mm-hmm. effectuated and made real and experiential through the Spirit of God. And, and we want that in particular in that worship, 65 minutes is usually our goal. Um, we just want all of us to soak in the love of God. But it's not so that we just get full like a sponge. It's that then all day every day we are wrung out uh, as that sponge, and we are leaking that love of God onto others. That that might be my way of saying my hope of what a missional church would be, that every believer is an outward-focused believer, and the church itself is outward-focused. That's what we mean by missio dei, everyone knowing their own role in God's mission of love to the world, and us as a church investing massive amounts of dollars and time in uh, serving the needs of the world outside of our four walls. That's why our our mission team is in Honduras right now. Yesterday they were delivering food to an extremely impoverished, hard-to-get-to location in the mountains 
of Honduras. So, those are the four identity words of the EPC. Presbyterian, Reformed, Evangelical, Missional. Harrison, is that enough about the EPC for today? That's that's pretty good. I have one one little bookend thought to throw on to you, Mike, because I was a part of, before <clears throat> being a part of Lake Forest, was part of a non-denominational church, of which there are plenty noteworthy that are doing mm-hmm. super cool stuff. And, so and I won't I'm not, hate on them, but I'll, I, I will play joke around with my pastor friends of non-denominational churches about the unbiblical nature of their polity. The main difference that I've seen now being a part of Lake Forest for 10 years and coming from there is just what you're talking about. The kind of like you were talking about before we were talking about attending church, being a, being a Christian without a a church, Uh, not saying non-denominational churches are not Christians and making an analogy, but it's, it's similar. I've seen to not having that network of people for the accountability for the support when you're when you're non-denominational, man, you got to have a strong leadership structure, or else things can go off the rails really quickly. Without, mm-hmm. and we have seen that many times yes. uh, with without kind of those rails to ride on. So I just see the benefit of and it. And things go off the rails in <clears throat> in churches and denominations as well. But there's accountability to uh, uh, and greater safety for the sheep of the flock. I would say. Hey, um, we love that you're part of Lake Forest, friends. Uh, Thank you for tuning into the podcast. And uh, this might not have been the most scintillating of subjects. However, it's really, it's something I invest a lot of time in. And so thought that uh, it would be good to speak a little bit about our denominational today. Thank you for tuning in.